In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. And this is Rob Hessler with the always luminescent no, that's for Art on the Air. That's for your other podcast. Oh, my other, my professional podcast. Your professional podcast. Yep, this is just a <laughs> fly by the seat of your pants bunch of nonsense, I guess. This isn't professional. Oh. It's not professional because we're not paying any money for it. <laughs> and the other one, at least I make some money. So yes, okay, yeah, that's fair. See, there you go. And uh, yeah. Yes, but Rob Hessler, Gretchen Hilmers. Yeah, we're parents. here. Parents. Exhausted parents. It's exhausting having a toddler. It is exhausting. You know, we have this ambition of putting out an episode every like week or two and and then like three, four weeks go by and it's just the way it is. Well, I mean, you know, toddlers can run circles around you and I'm not talking metaphorical circles. I'm talking like literal circles. They will run around you in circles and you don't know what's going on. And I feel like as they're doing that, he's like kind of draining some energy from us. Because he he's gets... definitely gaining energy. Yeah. I feel like every circle, he just gets more and more excited. Yeah. And I get more and more tired. Uh-huh. I mean, I really feel like I'm literally aging while it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but you know I what? I go to the bathroom and look in the mirror. I'm like, man, I got a lot more gray hairs after all that running <laughs> around me in circles. <laughs> But he's totally worth it. He is totally him. worth it. I want to mention this before we go too far into the podcast, before we roll for initiative, that we haven't been putting out as many podcasts, but we have been putting out actual play videos on YouTube. And I know not everybody listens to the show or podcast on YouTube. So if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or another streaming service, and you're interested in actual play podcasts, we're putting those up only on YouTube. The reason why is because it's easier to separate those on a platform like YouTube than it is for us to just drop in an actual play audio in the middle of our podcast stream, which you've maybe subscribed to on iTunes. So we don't want to just be like, oh, you're listening to podcasts, and then next thing you know, it starts playing like part one of a three-part desanction. <laughs> RPG, which is not safe for work, you know what I mean? Because those, some of those games do have adult themes and everything like that. So if you're interested, check out RPGs and Baby Makes 3, the YouTube channel. And we've done, well, we've done several games. We did, we've done 10 Candles. We did Yokai Hunter Society. We've done three sessions of Desanction. And we've recorded some other stuff too that we will eventually get up there. But, um... Yeah, since the last episode we did of the podcast, we actually released three parts, the three-part desanction, three sessions worth of the desanction RPG, which is a, a great, great RPG. And I know a lot of people are watching that video, so those videos. So um, I just I thought I'd throw that out there. I desanction. Um, you know, you mentioned yokai. I did not. I want to give yokai another swing because I just hated the autogen character that yeah. I rolled no less than 30 times to try to find something that I felt like I could play. And even then, I was just, nah. All right, well, why don't we talk about those today before we get into the main topic of our show, but let's go ahead and roll for initiative. They see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Let's roll. Roll for initiative. 
did I win? Um, go first. I you could lost. delay your action. I'm going to delay this action. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we were headed. I don't know if in the more modern incarnations of like Dungeons and Dragons, if you can delay your action. I think probably you can. I haven't played Fifth Ed in a while. Most games, if you win initiative, you get to sort of choose when you act within. Well, I know someone we could ask. Yeah, that's true. Cat is would be She's a great. Awesome. She is awesome. Cat, uh, who we had to talk about fifth edition on our edition wars episode, she's actually started a new Discord group, which is really good. It's really it's so active. Like I'm lost. I, I you know I, I I check in on it every now and then, but are, are you the old man? It's. Not, I don't think it's so much. I don't that. mean like an age thing, but I mean like you roll up and you're like, oh my god, there's just so many whippersnappers. I think a lot of the people know each other, so they have a lot of inside conversations that have oh, already okay. happened. But then you know, even still, like I don't have as much time to spend on social media. So like, they're all jibber jabbering. They're all jibber jabbering around. But you know, so Cat is part of the Nerd Asylum, and then also she's really, really active in our local gaming community. And her Discord group that she just put together is awesome. It's really awesome. And uh, and so maybe we can put a link to that in this. Maybe even kind of get Cat on to talk a little bit about that at some point in the future. But yeah. Um, Games we played, I mean, it's been a little while since we have recorded an episode where we talked about the games that we've played, because last time that we recorded an episode, we had Savannah Kite on the show to talk about... Uh, what? You know. um, that was so healing. So it was talking about, in real life, player death, when one of your players at the table dies, and, our, and when we had a death out at of a, at a player in our... On our table, um, Mike Tatavio, which we called Mike Dot, um, and uh, and so you know we kind of brought her on to talk about that, and she was amazing. Amazing. And, amazing. I mean, I think hopefully it's a good resource for people because it was a really good resource for me, and in fact, we're going to be having a game where we're going to be doing a hunter's funeral for That's Mike's character, Supernatural the RPG, based on the television show. And uh, that's going to be coming up uh, soon. And we're going to be actually live streaming that. So by the time this comes out, that'll just be a couple of days later. That that'll actually be coming out. Um, we're going to be live streaming that on YouTube. So, um, but anyway, I'm I mean, I know. I'm not going to read any comments. Good <laughs> Lord. Oh my God, I know. But um, but yeah, we so we we played a lot of games in that period of time. We played. I played keeping the lights on. Which was a game about Hanukkah, which was incredible. Yeah. Just a really you deeply could not meaningful. Stop talking about that game, you loved it. So the premise of the game is is that you are a group of you're members of the congregation at a um, at a temple, Jewish temple, and it's in danger of closing, and it's Hanukkah time, and you are. You go through the eight days of Hanukkah and you try to save the temple. And it was just really remarkably powerful and connected. And I'm not Jewish. I mean, like, this is the thing that was... But I felt like... So the person who ran the game is Jewish. And it felt like I learned a lot about Judaism. And I have, like, a, a greater appreciation of, like, the culture... And what was so cool is how at the end of the game, you don't know if what you did saved the congregation or not, saved the temple or not. Ooh, that's tough. But it felt so rewarding. I felt like my character underwent this whole transformation during the process. And it was just, it was a lovely, lovely game. Um, we also played a Christmas-themed game. We played Santicide. That was hilarious. You know, it's, it's so funny if, if, was that recorded or we, we can't, we, no, yeah, that we wasn't no, our game. So I got really excited. There are very specific character themes and traits and things like that, that you have to roll for to get. And so I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. It's so random. And there's so many different things that I could be. It's, I freaking rolled myself. Yeah, you basically did roll yourself. <laughs> like, uh, jaded, um, I don't know. I was a, a 
a clause family member. I work security and um, like I was overwhelmed with the season. I don't know. And I was feeling totally overwhelmed anyways. And so I. You were stressed out. That was it. It was stressed. You were stressed out. Stressed out. Okay. Yeah. It was pretty funny. That ended up being, I loved my character. I was out. You played an amazing and insane character. (laughs) I loved it. I was a robot elf whose job was to increase the cheer. But I talked in a monotonous robot voice the whole time. I was like, ho, 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 jingle bells, jingle. And I sang songs sometimes. <laughs> the whole to... time you did not break character. It you was really fun. Voice. It was really and fun. And you did some break dancing, right? Or some... Oh, that's right, because I could do dancing. Like, I had dancing as, like, a thing, a skill or something. So I did, like, I did the robot. laser beams. I did the robot. You did the robot through laser beams. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that was really fun. That well, was that's... so much fun. That was with a GM that we play with a lot. Oh, is that Tamsa? Tamsa, oh, yeah. Oh, God. He's um, such a good GM. He's really... he, Yeah. He, I like... I'd like to have Tamsa on sometime because one of the things I think that Tamsa has a really great strength in it as a GM, and we might want to talk about this sometime, is that... Okay, so, like, people know Matt Mercer, right? And he does, you know, his, the, his like, the master of D&D. People want to... The Matt Mercer effect, like, he's got this way of DMing and everybody's like got a copy. Well, Tamsa is more minimal, but he always his it always feels strong. Like the core of the game is always strong. It never feels like it lags. He is so good at keeping things moving, but making sure players can role play as much as they want. Right. I never feel rushed, but we always finish the session on time. Yeah. And it's always interesting I honestly, I played with him a bunch of times and it seems like every game is memorable. And I wouldn't say that on the surface you would think, wow, he's just incredibly great with descriptions or that he's just got this encyclopedic knowledge of game systems or anything like that, but he just runs it. It's so solid. And I feel like it allows good players to play well. Mm-hmm. And... I've had a great experience with every one of his games, and uh, and Savannah side, uh, Savannah side, Santa side. Oh, there could be a Savannah side. <laughs> uh, Santa side. It was a really was a really fun game, um, and I mean, pretty much that's what we. I mean, we played some other. Have we played any other games? Really? Yeah, Susan ran one. Oh, uh, we played. Uh, I forget the name of it. It's like a bleak wilderness. You're going out to die. Trophy Dark was the game system. Yeah, we basically went through we could, a forest we could just, and everybody died. <laughs> so we could just pause here real quick and look. <laughs> no, that's okay. But yeah, we so we play, we did play that. Um, that was interesting. It was super bleak. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. My character ended up turning into like a mountain lion, right? And I don't know. Yeah, I was a predator, like, the I played as a predator, top of the food chain, alpha type, like, the whole game. And then at the end, I realized I was actually nothing more than just another piece of the herd, a prey. And I just laid down and became, like, a sacrifice to the next who came. It was pretty interesting. Yeah. And the psychological was, aspect of it was really interesting. And, you know, the, the cool thing is, is the characters, uh, the players around you mold your character. Um, you get to choose between, I don't know what, what it was called, but, you know, they pop up scenarios for something you want to do. So, in effect, so if you want to do X, you can do X, but you're going to change this or this will happen to you. And you have to pick And one they introduce complications that you can choose to take the complication for bonus dice mm-hmm. to help you succeed at whatever action you're taking. And you really need those bonus dice to succeed a lot of the time. I mean, it's yeah. like your chances of success are not very high, so you end up taking on these complications. And the complications occur whether you fail or succeed so you end up taking on all these kind of cool well, complications i gotta know what this game was called. it's trophy dark you what's the name of system. the game is oh. the that's the game the the scenario was not trophy dark but it okay. was a trophy dark game okay. so yeah but um yeah we played it just some... doesn't seem like the right name for that game it's it's a very it very like into the forest well 
we played Fate, for example. Remember, yeah, we played that sci-fi. Uh -huh. But Fate is can be so you could play in any genre. So kind of think of it like that. I mean, yeah. Trophy Dark has is very variable. But we were going to talk about you were talking about yokai, and I think we should talk about yokai and desanction because we haven't really talked about those on the show. I love the desanction. So the desanction you play is agents of John D. It's Elizabethan era. It's harsh, bleak, and mildly supernatural. And basically you're all playing condemned villains. And, you know, but villainy might not be the worst thing ever. It might be that you're like a Catholic in, after the Protestant Reformation or whatever it might be. And you're forced to kind of go on these missions in order to stay the hand of your executioner, essentially. And we ended up playing a three-part scenario it was really fun i thought it turned out it was interesting it was definitely a slow burn game it like, was a slow burn but it was i don't know i enjoyed it everybody told me that they really enjoyed it as well like one of our players nick we we were talking in the there was kind of this conversation that began in the on there was this conversation that began in the Discord group that we played, that we kind of put the group together, and people were saying, well, what was your favorite game that you played in the last year? And he mentioned that the Desanction game was his favorite game that he played in the last year. Whoa. Chris said it was really good. I was, like, worried that maybe we got a little bit bogged down, but everybody seemed to really like it, and I think that was kind of... It, it is a tense building, and it's not... It doesn't have, like, you know, I think a lot of the games we play now, it's so action-packed. Like, you know, you figure you're going to be, like, if there's monsters in the game, then the, you're going to be hunting and killing and all this stuff. But it's more like a kind of old-style Cthulhu or something like that where there's, you're really not encountering the monster very much. Yeah. It's mostly just this, oh, this feeling that's happening. And then maybe you kind of touch it every now and then. So that's kind of interesting. A little tiny touch. But you mentioned Yokai Hunter Society and the flaw of the character generation method. The thing about that, though, we do consider that to be a flaw, but it's also something that you could just totally discard. Yeah, and I think it, I mean, at least for me personally, I, I can't, I, I, I couldn't identify with any of it. And I don't need to identify with things to play the character, but like, options were just so boring yeah so you basically got what it was a an item a name and a mask image is yeah. that what it was so like i well i so i had a name and you got a motivation um and mine was like i don't know to prove something and my item was a government uniform um and i was an ex-government employee but to be fair, though, and that was the most interesting one I could find. If I if I could if I could be fair, and I'm gonna call you out here. I won't call you out. You literally did it at the moment we were gonna start playing. No, I did it earlier in the day. I did it okay. earlier in the day, and like I said, I went through like thirty different options. Because remember, I told you I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna roll once and I'm gonna play it. And I rolled it, and I thought, oh my god. No. And then I thought, okay, let me do the next one. Definitely the next. And, and I kept going like that. And then finally, I just gave up. I gave up. It beat me down. Well, so it's so funny. It's interesting. Okay. Oh, and a lot of the options were male. They were pre predominantly male. Which, you know, I don't mind playing a male character, but... Come well, so they were going bit. more traditionally Japanese time period yeah, stuff. But, but there were women back then, too. But I made, when I ran the game, though, I made it clear that we were not ascribing traditional gender or racial stereotypes. So when I ran the game, it was like, you could be of any racial background or any any, you know, gender choice, and it would not people wouldn't be judging you for that. Like, we were just going to totally... We were not even going to concern ourselves with that. Yeah. But I don't think that that's necessarily the nature of that game. That game is steeped in Japanese sort of history. So 
the names and all of that were indicative of that time period and those who were in it. So, but I, I but what I think was kind of interesting, and I just want to point this out, is that I ran it for you, but I also ran it at a convention. I wrote, ran it for NerdBurgerCon, and that's the version that's up there, and it ended up being totally different. The two end results were totally different. Yeah, I feel like our game kind of stumbled through it a little bit. A little bit. And we, the NerdBurgerCon thing was really interesting because I had a really hard end time we had to end it we had to end it it was because it's a convention so the next there's another game gonna start so i had to be done you know and so i was really up against that but they actually in in your game we were running out of time i had the monkeys basically attack the town they left the town and went to the monkey's temple and so it was a totally different ending. Um, but uh, all that aside, I think the system is really nice. The 2D6, the unlucky number, the unlucky number 9, because like that's a traditionally unlucky number in Japanese Didn't culture. Chris keep rolling 9s? Yeah, so like 9, <laughs> you could still succeed on a 9, but it would introduce, there'd be a complication or something would go wrong it'd be like ill luck or whatever and i liked that that was always a part of it so i liked that and i liked how you could creatively use the items that you had like you could make a narrative reason why your item would matter in and give you a little bit of a bonus because like they give you weird items like you're like a rice bowl or like chris's character uniform a government uniform or well but i mean that could be useful though like to to gain access Chris had a yes. boat. Yes. And you lured the monkey to the side of the riverbank and he hid behind the boat and used that <laughs> as a, like a cover, basically. Yes. So it was just interesting. I like that part I of the really system. I really want to so. give it another go with a character that I create. I have so many zine games. I don't know if we're going to try it again, but maybe. You, you, could... you just keep buying zine games. Well, they're cheap and they're awesome and they're like little indie develop. Like, yeah, they're awesome. I feel like I'm like supporting... You are the you're little supporting guy. someone directly, and that's amazing. I know. it's It feels... It's cool, and like a lot of times you can actually interact with... Maybe in our next episode we should talk about all the little zines. Maybe we should. I mean, because like, I, I consider Ben Sperduto to be a friend of mine now. I mean, he's going to be coming to visit Savannah in February, and I hope to see him, you know? And, and like, he puts out a new game now. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna totally going to check it out, God, you know? I games. I and know. I love his music project. Oh, yeah. Marana's Breath is really good, too, so... Um, anyway, why don't we get into our main topic for yeah, today? Yeah, we've been jibber-jabbering. Yeah, so let's um, let's go ahead and get to it. Hey, 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 what's going on? We look at the person through the peephole. You talking to me crazy? Maybe if I get lucky, we get a little action adventure of our own going, you know what I mean? Proficiency check! So, a lot of people are having babies. A lot of people are having babies. There's a lot of babies out there or about to be out there. Loads of babies. Let's be honest, when you're trapped inside and there's not a lot to do. And maybe you don't have a kid yet. <laughs> <laughs> or you're determined to make another kid. Um, yeah, but we thought we would talk about the namesake here, which is RPGs and Baby Makes 3. That's Gaming when you have a kid. Finding the time to game when you have a kid. So how the but, heck do we do that? But it's not its not about finding the time. It's about finding a balance while gaming. Is I think what we should focus on. Okay. So when we first had Lincoln and we were still gaming and oh my goodness, you could have people in the house and it was amazing. Remember those days? No. I know. its It's been a while. The before times. Um, the before times. Uh, you know, for me, I feel like there was a lot of pressure to make sure you could run a game while I watched the kid and had to do kid stuff. Like, not watch the kid. It was usually around his bedtime, but there was always constantly getting up and taking care of him. And, and I was GMing the game, so, like, it's not like I could be, like, in the middle of describing the action and then Lincoln cried, and I'd go get him. Right. But there's still a balance that needs to happen, because mm -hmm. that's a lot of pressure 
for a parent to, you know, make sure everything's going smooth with the baby while the other one's trying to make sure everything's going smooth with the game. And so at first I think it was pretty weighted. Um, our roles were pretty weighted in both directions. And um, it was hard. It was really hard. Uh, one thing that I liked that you did uh, as a DM was if I had to go nurse Lincoln or you know, let me, ladies, let me tell you, if you're, if you're doing the whole breastfeeding thing, you still have to stop to pump. Uh, that, that is, that sucks sitting in the dark, listening to your friends laugh and have a good time while your, your breast pump is just, uh, and that's actually a pretty accurate sound. Um, it's depressing. It's hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, but one thing that I really liked is even if you kept the game going, since, you know, for me it's the Dragonlance game, it's Kender, you know, when I came back, you'd find a way to reincorporate me. And thankfully I was playing a Kender, so it could just be the Kender wandered off and suddenly reappears with a hoe or a lantern or some shiny rocks. And you kind of you know, streamlined my re-entry into the game. Well, and I wanted to, what I was kind of going for there was that I would give you, like, you had something, and then if you wanted to, you could make up a story about what that was. But it was like, I was really like, as soon as you got back to the table, you got to talk. Because I think that's the quickest way to get you back into the game is, like, you instantly interact with the other players right away. Mm -hmm. Because... That's really like being in the game, playing the game is literally playing the game. So I thought that was important. But I, I got to be honest with you, though, is I think that it's worked a lot better, though, since we've gone online. Yes. There's a couple of other things that that has have changed, too, that I think you just got to be realistic about. Because I was thinking about what... When we talked about this topic, we used to play longer sessions. We put the session length down. Yeah. Since we've had a kid. Also out of necessity. But that's the point. I'm so tired. Be realistic. Your kid is going to screw up your sleep. Acknowledge that. Don't don't try to put the square peg in the round hole. <laughs> you are going to sleep less during the night. So much less. I'm telling you, when and Gretchen and I, we can be playing an awesome game, and we'll look at, we'll be playing online, and we'll look at our screen, and we'll be like, oh, it's going to be about 10 o'clock at night right now, I hope this game wraps up soon, and we could be in some awesome scene. Amazing, awesome scene, and <clears throat> the closer it gets, like, I need to be asleep by like 10 or 10. And let me tell you, I have like a a stress reaction to that. Like, I feel like, oh my God, dude, I cannot stay up. Like, if if I do, I know it's a cascading effect because I won't sleep well. And then, you know, you can't... It's not fair to your kid. Like, your kid doesn't know you're tired. Like Your you, kid doesn't know that they shouldn't wake up at 4 to 5 in the morning asking for brekkie. It's normal, right? Well, but they also don't know that you don't go full speed 100% at 6 a.m. either. And, like, it's not, like, I know that for me, like, I want to be on our son's wavelength. Like, I want to be there and, like, be excited and have fun with him. I don't want to be all grumpy and tired. I want to be, like, I want to I wanna be a good dad. That's <laughs> basically what it yeah. comes down to, right? And so, like, and to be honest with you, when I have a good night of sleep... And all that. Those mornings can be really fun. And, like, you can end up having, like, this really great experience. Yeah. And maybe you end up doing, like, even before school, before in the first couple hours of the, of the day, you're, like, you've done, like, painting, painting and drawing <laughs> and, like, played in the sink and, like, made pancakes. Kinetic and, sand. You're playing with trucks. Seriously, dude. Ready to read some books. I mean, like, you've done all this stuff. And it's, like, actually, it's really fun. And so... If you stay up late and you try to keep the gaming schedule that was before, then you're gonna like you're gonna be unhappy because you're gonna be tired. Then you're not gonna be a good parent, and then you're gonna and we're feel resentful. For toddler years, maybe it gets better as they get older. Maybe it does. But my point is, I mean, you know, for now, it's like, like, 
I'd rather have two to two and a half really good hours of gaming where it's and multiple like multiple sessions and multiple sessions where I can just be locked in full on have a great time and get to bed by 10 10 30 and then I'm like still get plenty of sleep I got to get my gaming in and I still feel great and I still get to be like I'm not destroyed by staying up and I'm still get to be a good dad and I'm not it doesn't it doesn't neg- it doesn't have the negative consequence, but I still get the positive enjoyment out of the game. And to be honest with you, when I if I really am honest with myself too, if I were to compare to a two and a half hour session to a four hour session, it's just like looking at those like standard kind of session length time periods. I actually think the the, the shorter sessions are better. People seem to be more focused. There's a lot less lag time. Oh, yeah, my brain turns to mush the longer we go. And by the end, yeah, I'm burnt out too. Like if I'm GMing or even if I'm playing, I'm like, I'm tired and like it's hard to stay as actively engaged and like I need more from the game to kind of keep me going. But generally speaking, when it's a two and a half hour session, you know, you've only got x amount of time it's like you want to really fill that space in so it's not necessarily a negative even though you're thinking oh, i'm giving up like you know 40 percent of my total game time that sounds like a lot but it's not it doesn't really translate that way it's not because you're not really giving up 40 percent of the quality now i would even argue that i think we get more quality out of the gaming with the shorter sessions mm-hmm. um now not doing it in person, we've lost the potlucks and all that stuff, which is it makes me it so makes me really sad. sad. But just talking about the gaming itself. Another thing is too, dude, I'm not running some game that I'm not running or playing a game that requires a lot of homework. <laughs> I don't want to run a game that I have to do a ton of prep work for. And I don't want to play a game that I have to do a lot of in-between session work on. I don't want homework in a game, period, anyways. So, I used to, I do enjoy prepping, okay? I, I, I like, I, we're going to talk about this on a future episode. You know, I just recently decided to end my Dragonlance game. And we'll talk about the reasons for that at some other point in time. But Dragonlance, the Dragonlance game is AD&D 2nd Edition. Hiatus or end? I don't want to say it's a hiatus because then I'm going to feel TBD. pressured to, to bring it back. If I, I just need it to be in my mind. I need it to be over right now. But it's AD&D 2nd Edition. That is a really complex game. It's... And especially as you get up higher levels and stuff, it requires a, a greater time investment to really do it right... That doesn't mean I can't run it. I have system mastery. So, like, I can run a game in perpetuity. But the nature of such a game is epic quest. Epic fantasy. Big things happen. There's movement towards something. And that requires a lot of effort and energy. When Lincoln was very young and he was just a little baby blob, I still had the time to put that effort and energy into it. I don't have that time oh now. Oh my god, it is so different now, isn't it? <clears throat> Especially now that we made the transition from crib to bed, they're no longer in a baby cage. So I feel like you just you have to be on more than you did when you knew 100%. that they were trapped in their cage. Because when they're out of their baby cage you leave them alone for five seconds and somehow they have like a knife in one hand and the toilet seat is off and you have no idea what's happening like the toilet seat is off yeah <laughs> it could be anything i don't even the toilet know. top the lid the, the the thing it means open yeah like you know like where you can see all the mechanisms in the back of the toilet oh okay yeah you know, like it can be anything like all the like, they've turned on all the faucets, and so, like, all you hear is, and so you can't hear them anymore, so then you're like, uh-oh, something's going on. You know if you can't hear them, 
danger. But, but, I mean, I feel like that's how it started. Like, as soon as he started walking, that's how it was. But when they're no longer in the crib, like, they can run out to your bedroom all hours of the night constantly. Oh, I mean, I thought I thought you were talking about in general, like... Like the the cage, like the baby cage, like the oh, we had like the little play. Yeah, and I mean, he was basically in that whatever. space for the first year of his life. Yeah, so we could wrangle him because he didn't start. Easier. He started walking at about pretty much exactly a year. So like, yeah, that little baby cage was was very helpful. I mean, I think <laughs> parents know what we're talking about when we say baby cage, but non-parents are probably like, oh my God, did they put their kid in a crate? Dude, it's not a cage. It's a giant, basically flexible wall. It's probably a good 8 by 10 feet. It's like a confined play space. So and even could... has a door on it, actually. Yes, yes. <laughs> but was... most babies can't operate, but if he could operate it. Like, it's not like he's even really locked in, you know what I mean? Like, he could get out if he figures it out but they're like babies so they don't figure it out but i think that the point is is that it's hard for me to want to do all of that extra work that comes along with a complicated game because the most important thing to me is playing the game Right. And, you know, that actually touches on something, too, is you could have the time to put all of that effort into the game, but then you're also putting a lot of the responsibility on the other parent. So then not only are you putting the responsibility for prepping on them, but running the game, and it becomes, it well, it's, it's not as balanced. I don't necessarily think it has to be a pressure on the other parent, but, I mean, like, you're definitely going to be doing it, like, when your baby's asleep so it would be like oh it's it's i've got a game to run tomorrow night so tonight instead of us after an exhausting long day spending some time to connect i'm gonna pull out my gaming stuff and i'm gonna sit on my computer for the next two hours so that way i have enough prepped material to run a dnd game the way it should be run i don't really want like new parents you're going to understand this it's like that connection time with your partner is so important like you it's desperate scarce too you have to be really careful and it's like we fell down that rabbit hole uh, for sure for sure but i mean it's like you like i don't want to i don't want to give that time up to prepping i mean it doesn't mean i like you know that we have to spend every free moment we have together we try to do our own things too but it's, it's just that, like, it's that if you're doing that kind of game, you have to do that time. So, you have like, to. well, it's true. So, like, if I'm going to run that game, then I have to spend the time that is required to prep it. Whether our relationship needs us to sit in front of the television and watch a movie and eat popcorn or get a sitter and try to go out or play a game or just head to bed early and read a book like it doesn't matter i'll have to prep there's no way around it whereas more rules like games or games that have like a collaborative narrative style to them or games that you're not so concerned about like the rules defining the actions of the players and the GM so much that you can't just use really freeform imagination in conjunction with the basic rule set to run a game. I think that that's just, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to require so much more effort. Like, I, I think, so we, we talked about yokai earlier in this, okay? And we talked about desanction. Those are like, you know, three and four stat games using like a couple of dice, you know. So maybe what we're saying is there's people out there who have allegiance to like Dungeons and Dragons based games that are very chonky. Um, Maybe understand that you can continue role playing, but find simpler systems that aren't going to absorb so much of your time 
which is so precious now that you have a kid. I'm not saying to give up Dungeons and Dragons if that's your favorite game, but I am saying that you might want to be honest with yourself. Like, what's more important, playing Dungeons and Dragons or role playing in general? If the only role playing you ever want to do is Dungeons and Dragons, you're gonna ha- it's gonna be more of a struggle because it does take more time to do that. And also, let me point this out too. That time you take putting into your game or whatever is time that you're not going to have with your partner whom you've lost time with or you'll have to do it when your kid is there and awake and doing stuff. And oh my God, that time disappears so quickly. I I don't, I feel like I blink and Lincoln has moved on from a phase of his life. Oh my gosh, And I'm right? so grateful that I've been able to spend as much time as I've had. Um, but there And you is... still want more. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, like, so I've been sick for the last couple of days and I couldn't go out with you guys a couple of times when you were like, went for walks or you did stuff. And I felt like I, and I missed it so much. It was like, it was crazy. And I'm really, we're just talking about a few hours, but it's like, even that, you know, it's like, it's so important. Yeah, as I get older... <coughs> As they get older, it's going to be different. The time constraints will change. But man, when they're this young, God, it's just, it's so amazing. I mean, what he started singing Ring Around the Rosie the other day, and we haven't taught him this song. He learned it at play school. And it's like, ashes, ashes. We'll fall down. And then he falls down. And, you know, like, he's not going to do that for that long. Um, We were talking about how you used to throw him up into the air and catch him. And you told me, I'm going to do this as much as I can and enjoy every second of it because I'm not going to be able to do it forever. And oh my God. I even did it today. It was funny because you mentioned that yesterday. And so we went to the playground today because I was feeling better. I was finally able to go out. And I threw him up in the air a couple times. And I was like, man, he is just heavier. It's just, I can't throw him as high up as I could. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it's just... It's a really interesting thing. And, and and so the point is, though, is that I can get gratification in the same from games that have a similar feel as Dungeons & Dragons, but that require far less effort. And I'm not having to spend that time prepping. I just started playing this game Ironsworn, and I've been, you know, talk, mentioning how much I love it. It's a GM-less cooperative game but it's so ingeniously done it doesn't feel like you're making it all up like everybody's telling the story together but there's like inherent difficulty and in all of this stuff that's going on and i've only played a couple of sessions but i i'm feeling like i'm getting as much out of it from a fantasy a gritty fantasy setting as any game with a gm I have to do no prep work. I literally... Can you know sh- what I think is nice for you? You get to play. Everybody gets to play. Yeah, but you never get to play games because you're always <laughs> GMing. It's true. But this is... It is... It's really fun. And we have our sessions set to one and a half to two hours. And it's... You know, it's not... It's, But it's weekly... I feel like I can manage it. I don't have to do any prep work. There's no homework that I don't myself choose to do. And that's it. It's that simple. It's that simple. And like, I'm getting the same kind of gratification. So that's one of, that would be another thing. It's like, you know, so cutting down. So we've got three things so far. Three. Sharing the load with your partner. Being very careful. Absolutely important about sharing that load and if your partner isn't into gaming then make sure if you want to do gaming like that you're giving them their own time too like you make sure that you can you know come to an agreement you know if that if that's the case you want to make sure that they're getting what they need as well second is quality over quantity in terms of Mm -hmm. the amount of time spent Mm -hmm. and then thirdly is expand your horizons in terms of the games that you play and recognize that there are minimalist, simpler games that will give you just as much in terms of satisfaction and like depth 
without needing all of the extra homework and crunch that you would get from the more complicated games like you know I mean, I would even argue some to a certain extent, like Call of Cthulhu can be complicated if you're doing battle maps. Pathfinder's endlessly complicated to me. <laughs> oh God, it hurts. The D and D games are complicated. There's lots of games that are complicated games, yeah. and so like reduce the complication level. And I even mean like, look at the size of the book. Do you have time to read it? Do you have time to read the book? I don't, I barely have time to read The Witcher. I mean, I mean, yeah, like it's, you know, like. I'm trying you, though. You're reading it though, you are. To read so you're on the much. second book of The Witcher. I'm doing series. it. But, um, I mean, I think those are three really big facets. Is there anything else you could think of? Any other, like, sort of key ingredients? No, I think that really touches on it. And, um, you know, I mean, and perseverance, I will say both as a parent and as a gamer it's it's exhausting and you just you got to try to maintain some semblance of the person you were before but also balance being a parent it's a really interesting thing it's it's um wow parenthood definitely takes away some of your own individual identity but it replaces it with another new component and that's the component of mother father parent caregiver mm-hmm. um, and that's an incredibly wonderful and powerful component but there is can be that feeling of like loss or and that is okay identity crisis and that yeah. is okay that's i think that that's totally okay. okay and you know what and if you feel that way Find some parents to talk to. Talk to someone. You need to talk it out. And it's okay. I'm going to... Maybe we can talk about this too briefly here. Is that, you know, right before we had Lincoln, I had been running this long-term AD&D second edition game. Four-hour sessions. Basically weekly. We've been going through it for, I don't know, maybe like two years. And Lincoln was born, and at first it was fine still, because Lincoln took these long naps, and then I just couldn't do it. I couldn't, like, he was waking up, and it just was not working. And I had to end the campaign, right in the middle of it. I mean, it was in the middle of the game. That was profoundly impactful for me, because I felt really bummed. Like, I had put all of this time and energy and effort as a game master, as a, as a dungeon master, into this game. I had written all this material and I had created this world that they were playing. It was, I mean, I was playing in the Forgotten Realms. It was D&D, but, you know, I had added my own flavor to it, of course. And I had long-term players and we'd been going on for a really long time. And I felt a little bit defeated. You know, it was like, because it did feel like I'm going to have to give up something that is important to my mental health because I do think my hobby is important to me to my mental health right. like it's a release I love using my imagination and just getting a couple of hours like in a fantasy world where I'm can help working with others and you know we're friends we're all hanging out together to construct this narrative and construct this story is really gratifying to me and I felt like I was going to have to give that up I did have to give that up, but I only had to give up that version of it. And I have to be honest with you, I like what I, I like the gamer that I have become now and the gaming I do now better. I like all of the crazy stuff we explore. Like I never would have played Desanction before. Yeah. You know, I'm getting ready to do this WHPA Fairhaven 99 public television station RPG at some point. Sam aside, I played the Hanukkah game, keeping the lights on. We talked about that. Aegon for Glory. Oh my, my favorite gosh. game of last year. Oh, good. Alice is Missing. Yeah. Oh you know what gosh. I mean? Ten Candles. All these games, to be honest with you, I was in a rut and 
the it's only, a big, beautiful world out it, there. There is so much out there, and it's and like more comes out constantly. And by really, and and the way that things are right now, especially because with the digital world, and and you can sell these things pretty cheaply. Very, very smart and interesting game designers are putting out games constantly. There's this guy Travis Hill, and we haven't played his games yet, but I've actually purchased several of them. One of which is, and I forget the name of it, but it's the one I've been, I keep talking to you about. It's about, you play one, there's a two player game. One person plays as the house. Oh, yeah. And the other person plays generations of families living in the house. Oh, I really want to play that one. And you tell the story back and forth. And he did another one where you're like at the bedside of a loved one who was dying. And like, he's done these, just the, the, the themes of these games to me are just so profound and like i would never have discovered that if it weren't for losing that big in-depth DD game that i thought was so important and so like you know if you're out there and you're getting ready to have a kid or you have a young kid and you're having a lot of time struggle like finding a game or you know finding time to get a game just real change your perspective a little bit because you might find that you'll that there's actually something you'll enjoy even more and it might change your perspective forever because I actually think you and I have more fun gaming together than we ever have before. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, nice. we, when we play in the same games, we always have a good time together. We always yeah. mess with each other. It's really fun. Yeah, we either and work with each this... other or against each other. Uh -huh. It's kind of fun. Yeah. Not you know, not to mention the time that we almost pulled off the ritual sacrifice. But that's for another game, another another episode. <laughs> um, why don't we go ahead and, and call this? Uh, Call this topic quits. You got anything else, Grex, before we do? I miss sleep. I miss sleep, too. All right, well, that brings us to the end of another episode of RPGs and Baby Makes 3. Thanks for tuning in. I wanted to mention before we get out of here, you were talking about how you've been reading the Witcher books, which are awesome. Um, there's, I think, seven books. I'm just going to keep moving forward. I think the first two are just the short story collections. The short stories are great. Most of those short stories, a lot of the short stories were featured in the first season of The Witcher. And then I think the last five books in the series are a, a sequential series of novels. I'm pretty sure. I, I Don't quote me on that, but I think that that's what it is. I just finished the first trilogy by Joe Abercrombie, the first Law trilogy. This is the grim dark. Oh, so grim and so dark. So <laughs> I think they. I, I read in one of the reviews on Goodreads that he's called Lord Grimdark. <laughs> um, but I actually really enjoyed it. And one of the things I think that's really fun about reading these books, and I mention this all the time, is like. It just gives me so much inspiration for gaming. And Joe Abercrombie and some of the authors that I've been reading before, I mean, I think the Witcher books are really great for this too, is that they have such strong characters that like whether I incorporate ideas of certain characters into my own player characters or whether I use them as NPCs or whether I just take the flavor, I think there's so much inspiration that can come from there. And we are talking about how like, you don't want to play a game where you have to do a lot of prep work and stuff in these times. Getting, having this inspiration that you can just instantly pull from in the midst of a game, is really kind of nice. Yeah. Plus we actually watched The Witcher season two, which was great. Of course, my God. And The Wheel of Time. Oh, we're not gonna open up that can of worms. Are you sure? Look, you're either going to be on two sides of this as someone who has read the series. You're either going to like it for how it is and how they're portraying it, or you're going to hate it because it's not the same as the series. Okay, so I've read the first, I think, six books of this, the series, maybe seven, and that's the problem is I can't remember Quitter. where I left off. I can't remember where I left off. Quitter. So I don't want to... I don't want Which inner monologue did you quit at? <laughs> always talked about the inner monologues. Yeah, so my problem with Robert Jordan books, and any of you who have read the Wheel of Time series knows this, is that a character will say 
will like ask a question like, what did you have for dinner last night? And the person who was asked the question will have like a 10 page inner monologue about <laughs> dinner. And then they'll be, they'll like, and then after the 10 page inner monologue, they'll say, I didn't eat. And you're like, was the person that was asking the question, what were they doing while this person was thinking all of these thoughts for 10 minutes, for 10 pages? And it happens throughout, throughout Robert Jordan's books. And he's a good writer, but it's like, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, I kind of feel like those books could have been a little shorter. That's why I like Brandon Sanderson. A lot of his stuff is like, it keeps moving. Brandon Sanderson's pretty good about that. Um, his, uh, he... He's talked about, so he's doing the Stormlight Archive right now, and he's written the first four books, and we, we've we read the There's first four three. now? Yeah, the fourth one's out. It's actually over, been over, out for over a year. But we, we read, we've read the first three, Man, and then behind. a couple of novellas as well, and we've read a lot of Sanderson stuff. But he's, I, I read in a little interview with him that each book in that series, in the Stormlight Archive, each book he writes like a trilogy. So he thinks of it as a trilogy. Where, okay, you know, I could see that. I could see that for from the books that I have read. I totally get that. Okay. And so that's kind of nice because then it feels like you have this story arc that happens. Mm -hmm. And then he said that it's a ten. It's going to be a ten book series. God. But it's going to be broken into two five book halves, where there's going to be a big at the end of book five is the end of like a major thing, and then the it's a second cycle, basically. Mm -hmm. I think that's a smart way to approach it because I think I remember when the Sanderson or the Robert Jordan and Sanderson books, when we first were dating and you were reading them, and I remember there were certain books where you were like, you read a thousand pages and you were like, nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> and like it was like you're like I read a thousand pages and nothing happened, and then the guy died, and I was like, oh my god. Um, and then Sanderson, of course, took over and wrote the last, whatever, three three or four books or something like that. Jordan? Something like that. I don't know. He had some stuff of Jordan's. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jordan's I, wife had some notes. Yeah. Them, yeah. Um, but, like, I think what Sanderson does is it feels like stuff is always happening in his books. Even the ones that are really long, like, you don't feel like you're, like, in the middle of a really long slog. It feels like you're moving the story is moving um i think he's a really talented writer i yeah. think he's a it's not necessarily always my style i'm really into darker stuff right now and his stuff is not all well, that I mean, dark we're, but we're headed into year two of a pandemic there's a reason you're Dude, in I've, been in stuff I've been in grim dark for a while <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah interesting joe abercrombie's books i i've finished three. it's funny because i i read the that he's written like the first law series now it's like seven eight nine books whatever and I loved the first trilogy. And I was like, I want to read more of this. Each book is like 600 pages, so I, I wanted to read something shorter. So I was like, okay, I'll read one of the Fritz Lieber, Fatford, and the Grey Mauser books. It's just too upbeat. Like, I'm just like, oh my god, come on, just, I just want this over. It's like, I'm on, it's like the fifth book, I think, in the series, because I've read a bunch of these. And, like, they're like, there's like these talking rats and, it's all this stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, I, don't I don't know. It's just like, I just want to get back to the grim and to the dark. <sighs> anyway, let's wrap this up, let's, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. You've got a cat sleeping on your lap right now. I know, he's so precious. My throat is about to give out on me. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We did it, we made another we made episode. And if you made it this far, You've successfully... You have been listening to the Robert Jordan of this uh, podcast with Rob. What? Well, there was a lot to say. I guess it was all important. Things. This isn't that long an episode. We've had longer. Oh, no, I'm not talking about the episode. I'm, I'm talking about your monologues. <sighs> I'm sure somebody out there appreciates us. Appreciates me and my monologues. I appreciate you. All right. <laughs> and we'll talk to you again soon. Remember, if you want to catch some of our actual plays, if you're listening to just the podcast version of this, you can catch them on our YouTube channel, RPGs and Baby Makes 3 on YouTube. And we will have another one up soon. 
carry on Jack Roberts, our tribute to our friend Mike Dodd, should be up there in the next couple of days. So check that out and check out all of the live plays that we've been doing. And we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Take care, y'all. Bye. RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash rpgsandbabymakes3.